That's what we need today. We need people who are grounded in the things of God and, uh, and know what you believe. And you know, the one thing we're missing today is people not knowing what they believe. And, uh, and so I was listening to Robbie Zacharias and his final words, his final message, and he said there's people don't really understand what they believe. And right now the world's not, it's not ready to take on all these ideas that come after Christianity. And you hold the answer. Right here in this book, this, this is the answer that we have in life. And you have it in your hand. Just think your Father in Heaven loved you so much that He thought about this. What, what, if, you, what if you knew that you had a grandchild coming and yet you had a terminal disease or you had something that was going to take your life before you could share the truth with that child? And so you decided, I'm just going to write it down in a book. And when he gets old enough, he can read it. He can know all about me. Would you read that book? Would you want to know about your grandfather? Would you want to know about your loved one and how much he loved you? And if he wrote it in there constantly, I love you. And how, here's how this will help you in life. I would. So your heavenly father gave you a book all about him. He shares his heart with you. And the greatest privilege we have, two greatest privileges we have is to read this book that God has given us and to talk to the Lord of heaven. You have the privilege of talking to the person who said, let there be. And there was a whole planet. All right. Let there be, and there's a whole host of stars. Amen. Think about the magnitude of God before I even preach. I just want to get you to understand that they put the Hubble telescope in space because they believe in the Big Bang Theory. And what they wanted to say is, it's like a shotgun. If you can get the, the point where it started, you can backtrack the time. And so the first one they sent up, it didn't work. Imagine that. So they had, to put, they had to send up glasses to put on the Hubble spacecraft, on the telescope. When they put it on there... The visions that came back, the scientists said, there's not, there's not millions of stars. There's billions of stars. There's galaxies we didn't even know about. And here's what the scripture says. And the Genesis says, and he made the stars also. I mean, just like that. He put billions of stars into heaven. And not only that, Psalms, it says, and he knoweth them by name. Okay, if you wanted to count to one billion, and it took you one second to do that per billion, all right? And one, two, three, four, even 100,000, 115,634 takes one second. How long would it take you to count to a billion? Do you know? 334 years. You don't even have a lifetime to count to a billion. And God knows them all by name. So just think about that. Does he know who you are? Does he know where you are? And when he wrote in the scripture, he said, not even a sparrow falls. And the Lord doesn't know about it. He even knows the hairs on your head. And some of you have less than others, so, but, you know, but God knows where those fail, all right? So just think about that. Uh, let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 13. I, I ran across the truth in the Scripture, and, and uh, it just marveled me. And I just enjoyed it so much. I, I, God gave it to me into a sermon, so I wanted to share it with you. Uh, John chapter uh, 13, verse 23. And let's, uh, when you find your verse, let's stand in honor of reading God's Word. And the reason I have you stand is because... They're going to ask you later, did Brother Ray move you in his message? And you can truthfully say yes. <laughs> I might have only moved you up and down, but I moved you. Amen. So and just, just one verse. John chapter 13, verse 23. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and your goodness to us. And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be called the children of God. And 
Lord, it's a great privilege you've given to us, Lord, that you've included us in your family. And Lord, we thank you for caring about us the way you do. Lord, thank you for giving us a truth that we can build upon. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And Lord, thank you for not withholding that from us. And Lord, you've given us the truth of your word. And you told us explicitly, if the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. And Lord, I pray you give, uh, I pray, Lord, you give us freedom this very day, Lord, to experience you. And as the, as the men came to see, they said, sirs, that we would see Jesus. Lord, that we would see you today. Holy Spirit, breathe on us, Lord, and help me as a preacher to be a blessing to these five folks. I ask you, Lord, we love you, Father. We ask you to teach us how to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. I'm going to go through some other scriptures that just go along with this. The message is the disciple whom Jesus loved. And you keep going in your scripture, John chapter 19, 26, you want to follow along. It says, and when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. In John 20, 20, uh, 20 verse 2, it says, then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. John 21, 7, Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter. And then this verse right here is what just, just kind of kept me in a, uh, gave me a left turn until I realized what it was saying. It said in, in John 21, 20, Then Peter, turning about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved following. And he made an acknowledgement uh, to John. But I always thought it was Peter who said that about John. You know, but that's not true. It was John who wrote the book of John. Now, I heard a story once. There's a, a mission group that went into the Amazon. And while they were there, they were doing such a great work that other people began to help. They reached the village that was there. They were on the river. And, and they, bought, they were able to uh, just do a, a work there that was outstanding. And so they decided to branch out. And so they decided to go up the river in two, dis two different directions. And it was just becoming very successful for them because more and more people were coming and they were reaching more and more people. And then the unimaginable happened. They looked and there was the body of one of the missionaries floating down the river and arrows stuck all out of its body. And they were devastated. And, and so and the mission director got everybody together that night and he said, I just don't feel like the Lord is finished with the work that's with us here yet. And uh, I think we should continue on that work, but we realize now that it's treacherous what we are doing. So let's fast and pray and let's find somebody. Let's ask God to give us somebody that will continue our brother's work so we can continue in, in honor of him. And so they, they left and that night, the next day, a young man came to him and said, I feel like the Lord wants me to continue his work. And the director just walked over to him, put his arm around him and said, but son, the last man that did this, he came floating down the river with arrows out of his body. Are you sure this is what you want to do? And so he just kind of looked at the ground and he kind of looked for a second. He said, oh, I, I don't know about that, but all I know is God said go. He didn't say anything about coming back. All right. So let me ask you a question. When God tells you to go, what's going to keep you going? What's going to keep you in the hunt? What's going to keep you on the firing line? You know, I, I just thought about this when, you know, John you know, wrote this, the book of John. And John called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. John wrote the book of John. And when, that, when I saw that on the scripture, I went, Peter didn't say that. John said that about himself. 
And that's the title that he acclaimed to himself. And so some truths that we know from the Scripture is, one is that John knew he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. You know, the, you know there's a story about tombstones. I, I, you see some that they're, they're kind of... I was running through the park one time, and uh, you know what I'm talking about, and, and I just cut off a trail, and I looked down, there was markers there from 1860. I, I just stopped. I was like, wow. I, I said, I'm going to do this again. And the next time I did it, there was a big, long black snake that was right there. And I thought, well, that's, I did that twice today. <laughs> First and last time. Amen. So, but I just was marveled by that. And they were just washed off because you couldn't see them. I could see the dates. And I went, wow. I was thinking, the trees that are here might have bullets in them from the war. These trees, this, this is a, a memorial from the Civil War right here. And it was the Hunt family uh, family uh, cemetery, but I thought about one I saw. It said, you know, here lies less more. You know, shot six times with a 44. No less, no more. <laughs> Amen. So but there's all kinds of tombstones that you see, but a tombstone is it's an epitaph to summarize a life. You know, what, what would be on your tombstone? What, what would they place on your tombstone? I, I was thinking about John and you know, the disciple whom Jesus loved. That wouldn't be the thing that I would put on his tombstone. And you know, and he, I don't, you know, because why? He abandoned Jesus in the garden. You know, it said in the scripture, Jesus told him in Matthew 26, 31, he said, You shall all be offended because of me this night, for it's written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. And so he already told them, they're going to come to get me, and they're going to disband, but at least John followed behind so he could tell him to take care of his mother. You know, but he stayed, you know, uh, he stayed a distance away, so he didn't associate himself with Jesus. So, you know, how could he say, I'm the one who stood up for him. I'm the one that stayed with him. He didn't. He betrayed him. He abandoned him. And so the guilt must have been unbearable for him. And to think about it, Peter wept. He, his guilt was so great, he cursed his name three times. You know, and John's thinking, well, I'd left him too. I abandoned him. So just to think about that, that is not a love relationship to say, I'm the disciple who loved Jesus. I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. no. You, you're the one that ran out on him. You know, but Jesus foretold of what was going to happen. He told of them, in, you know, he said in John 22, 22, when therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciple remembered that he has said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. The scripture and the word. So they remembered the scripture. What scripture? Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. He was a sheep that led to the slaughter. He opened not his mouth. They watched that happen right in front of them. You know, and Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he said, you say that I am. He wanted Pilate to say it so he could get saved. It doesn't matter what Jesus says. What matters is what you say. How you classify Jesus determines your eternity. You know, he's either the son of God who came to save you and to come to give you eternal life, or he's just a regular person. You know, a prophet or somebody else. He's just somebody else to add to the portfolio of everybody else you talk about. You know, so, but he also, not only Isaiah 53, the scripture, but the word. John 14, 18 says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world seeth me no more, but you see me because I, I live, you shall live also. Greatest words, some of the greatest words in the scripture. As I live, you shall live also. I know I'll live again. I'm going to heaven when I die. You know, why? Because Jesus told me. He told me right there in the scripture. He told the disciples that. And they saw him. They saw him die and they saw him alive. Well, he probably means it. And they're looking right at him. 
You know, at that day you shall know that I am my Father, and you and me, and I and you. And he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, it is he that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. I will love him. All right? And though the person that chooses me is their Lord, what am I going to do? I'm going to love you with all my heart. So John associated himself to that verse. He remembered what the, what the Lord said. He remembered the scripture that Jesus was going to come and die. He remembered. He said, they're going to kill me, but on the third day I shall rise. You know, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, John was looking at that and saying, he really is. I can tell because he had the holes in his hands, you know, in his wrists. He had the, you know, spear. He told Thomas, put your hand in my side. Thomas didn't need that. He just fell down and said, my Lord and my God. You know, just the fact that I'm talking to you because the last thing I saw, you wasn't breathing. They had to haul you down. They lowered you from a cross, and now you're alive. Oh, I mean, you know, but it's not that we love God. First John 4, 13 says, we love him because he first loved us. He first loved us. He loved John. I said, he never abandoned John. Even Joe, Joe John abandoned him. He never abandoned John. You know, how did John know that Jesus loved him? Because he said so. He told him. I will love you, all right? I'll come to you. I'll meet you in Galilee. I'll be with you. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'll be with you. You know, I, I thought about a story I, I heard one time about the soldiers that they were, they were encamped and, and they, they were surrounded, Napoleon soldiers. And, and, uh, and so they all got together and said, this will be our greatest battle. We will not leave the battlefield today probably alive. So men... Gear up, be prepared. And one man jumped right up and said, I'm ready now. And the other guys, they were very skittish of it because they knew what that man just said. And his commander said, and, you know, and the captain said, and he went, how can you be so joyous about running straight into your death? And he looked at them and he pulled open his shirt. He said, here, take your knife and cut out my heart. And you will see that I have the heart of Napoleon, my commander-in-chief. Whatever he wills for me to do, that's what I will do. My heart belongs to him. If he wills me to go into battle, not to return, I'll go into battle, not return. So, because where your heart is, that's where your body's going to go to. All right? If your heart is with the Lord, whatever he desires of you, that's what your body's going to do. You're just going to do it, you know, without even knowing you're doing it. You're just going to do it because God told you to. And, and you just think about this. John knew that he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. And, you know, once that love relationship is established, you know, the commands are followed. They just come and they, they're just followed. You know, so it said he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. I want you to understand what, what, where the emphasis is. The emphasis was not on the disciple. Of all the people who had bragging rights, John was one of them. All right. He walked with Jesus for three years. He could have went out and said, I was the one. I mean, nowadays, if, if someone famous comes into town, everybody leaves church and goes see that person. You know, or they, they'll flock up and go somewhere else, you know, because so-and-so is in town. You know, and the emphasis is on the person. And, and so, but John didn't make the emphasis on the person. He didn't say the disciple who walked with Jesus. He said the disciple whom Jesus loved. The emphasis was on, he loved me. <laughs> He, loved, he watched me betray him. He watched me sin right in front of him. He watched me fail. And yet he loves me. He couldn't get past that. Whatever he wants me to do, I'll do it because I know without a shadow of a doubt, he loves me.
And so he went from right, caught, being called the son of thunder to writing the love books in the Bible. John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. When you read those, you can just see that he had such a love relationship for the Lord. The book of Revelation, I mean, John, God chose the right person to write it. So, all right, the baton, the baton was, was passed to John. Now, John is going to pass this same baton to me. I am the disciple whom Jesus loved. John's writings were given to me, and they're for me. They're not just written down so I can read about this for somebody else. He wrote them so that it could pertain to me. God's given them to me. You know, and be honest, I'm just like John. If I was in the garden, I would have betrayed him. If I was there, I would have said, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God on the highest. And then a week later, I would have said, crucify him, crucify him. You would have done the same thing. We would have done the exact same thing. I would, be, I would abandon Christ with my life. I've already done it. I've sinned against the Holy God. After he saved me, I have turned to my sin too many times. And then I look and think, why, Lord, you've saved me for that. Why? You know, I broke the love relationship with Jesus. It's not that Jesus left me. It's that I left him. And that's what sin does. I, I think about a song. It's called, you know, from the depths of the pits, I tried so hard, but I could not reach him. There in my despair, I cried so loud, but it seemed that he could not hear me. Lost and undone, full of sin and so corrupt, his hand reached further down than I could reach up. Amen. Amen. God saw me in the, in the pits of the soles of sin, in the, in the sludge, in the, in, the, in the sewer, in the mire, and he reached down and he picked me out of that. He washed me off white as snow and he looked at me and said, you don't have to go back down there if you don't want to. God saved me from that. He took me out of that. Why? When did he do that? When I was his friend? No, when I was his enemy. He loved me as his enemy. I was good as a sinner. And yet he still knocked on my heart's door. He still came to me. And he didn't stop knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and answer it, I will come unto him and sup with him and him with me. In other words, I won't just come to the front door and open it and crack it. I'll bring you into the inner chamber where all my friends are. I'll bring you into the place where, you know, you can, we can just kick back and they'll wait on us there. You know, I'll treat you like your family. God promised me that he would invite me in for that place. You know, Paul wrote, the love of Christ constraineth us. It's, it's a glue. You know, you see that they have plywood, but people don't use plywood anymore. They use particle board. Why? A particle board is just broken plywood. They just take a bunch of broken pieces and they glue them together and then they put them in layers. And I'm telling you, a bunch of broken pieces glued together, layered up together, forms a local church. And in this church today, we have a bunch of broken pieces who are sitting here together, who God has mended. And now together, we become more powerful than wood itself. And God can use us. And God, you're willing to use me. Even though I turn from you, now I can turn to you and you'll use me. Absolutely. You know, the song goes, Jesus loves me, this I know. It doesn't say Jesus loves me, thus I should know. You know, it, it's not Jesus loves you or, or Jesus loves her or Jesus loves him or Jesus loves them. You know, Jesus loves me. You know, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. He, he even loves me. It's, it's nice to think that somebody, God would love somebody like Bryce because he's just so lovable, like a giant teddy bear. <laughs> But Brother Ray, I love you too. I love somebody like you. Oh, that's so good. 
They say, man, Brother Ray, you bring joy in everybody's life. Some when you're coming, others when you're leaving. Amen. So, you know, it's my son. I used to go home and he'd be laying there or he'd, get in a, he'd come up and he'd sit in my lap and he'd fall asleep. And I thought he was asleep. I just, I just look at him and go, man, my heart would just swell with joy for him. Love I had for him was um, just naturally coming from me to him. And I'd go, I love you, son. Without even batting an eye, he'd go, I love you too. And I'm like, man, God, every time I tell you you love me, you tell me you love me too. You love me. You know what my wife and son have to do for me to love them? Breathe. You know what you have to do for God to love you? Breathe. He loves you. He loves you. You know, John 3, 16, how, how do I know Jesus loves me? Because he reached down and saved a wretch like me. He made me a different person. He gave me hope. He gave me a life worth living. You know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Lord, why would you love me like that? As your enemy, you would love me? He said, because I wanted to. Well, why would you want to? He said, because I love you. Well, why would you love me? Because I wanted to. Well, why would you want to? I mean, that's why heaven's going to take eternity. It's why it lasts for eternity, because it's going to take all of eternity to figure out, to absorb the love of God that He has for you. And it's not based on what you do. It's not based on who you are. It's not based on what I can do or what I have done. It's the fact that He just loves me. I just love you. And you think about the love you have for your grandkids and the love you have for your loved ones, the love you have for your grandparents, the love you have for your parents. And think God's love is so much greater than that for you, for me, Lord. I, I wrote a poem one time. I, 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 I just wrote, wrote these words down. He says, all my life, your presence engulfed me. I wrestled against your every move. Darkness boasted of its evil triumph. The victory was yet to be proved. Desperation held me tight. All rays of hope were turned to night. Misery was my closest friend, my heart longing for life to end. The heart I yearned to be near you, fertility would consume the impossible task. I cried, my heart needs to know you. You patiently waited for me to ask. Your hands reached down to receive me, making all my fears disappear. Your loving voice whispered softly, don't worry, my child, I'm right here. And God's right here. When I think that I'm by myself, He's with me. When the doctor came in and said, gave me bad news, God never left me. And he's right here. He's, he's here for you. He's with you. You know, so, I mean, God is with you. You know, prophecy put Jesus on the cross, but love is what kept Him there. They did not take His life away. He gave it to you and me. Well, I can see them taking the, the, the other assailants there and they were nailing them to some called thieves, but they're called malefactors. So we don't know what they did, just rebel rousers and the Romans decided they had enough. So they nailed them. I can see them fighting and you know, people having to hold them down while they nailed them to that cross. I don't see that with Jesus. As they laid that cross down. I think Jesus just put his hand out. He said, this is for you, brother, right? And then he put that other hand out and said, this is for you. And he proved to me how much he loved me. He laid down it. No greater gift can a man give than to lay down his life for his friends. He didn't call me his servant. He didn't call me his subject. He didn't call me a peasant. He didn't call me somebody. He called me his friend when he laid his life down for me. So now, John has the baton passed to him. And now John's passed the baton to me. And now 
I'm going to graciously pass the baton to you. You are the disciple whom Jesus loved. You are. What will be placed on your tombstone? I was listening to James Dobson one time, and he was talking about putting something on his dad. His dad had just recently passed away, and they were trying to get something put on his tombstone. And his dad, they finally found out, and he prayed. He said, oh, that summed up his life. Even the tips of his shoes were bent, where he stayed on his knees praying all the time. His knees had calluses on them. He said, that just summed up my dad's whole life. That's how I knew him. That was the best thing. And James Dobson's wife said, well, I know, I, I know what you can put on my tombstone. And they said, what? He said, I told you I was sick. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Ephesians 3, 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What does God want to fill you with? He wants you to fill you with His knowledge. Does He want to fill you with great power? He wants to fill you with His love. Because He knows that if you're filled with His love, then your heart is going to go wherever He wants it to. And your body's just going to follow right with it. Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake you. He promised that. I, I, I found a... I found a poem once, and it was on Moody. I, had him, I asked him if he could send it to me, and he did. He graciously faxed it to me. This was, I noticed it was 30 years ago I received this, so I don't know when it was written, but I just wanted to share it with you. A minister passing through the church in the middle of the day decided to stop by the altar to see who had come to pray. Just then the back door opened, and a man came down the aisle, and the minister frowned as he noticed the man hadn't shaved for a while that his coat was kind of shabby and his shirt was turned in frayed. And he's, he knelt at the altar for just a minute. Then he rose and walked away. Well, the minister felt his suspicions grow with robbery, his main fear. He decided to confront the man and ask him, Hey, what are you doing here? Then the old man explained how he worked down the road and his lunchtime was half an hour. And he liked to come for a time of prayer where he found new strength and power. But I stay for a moment only, you see, because the factory's so far away. I just kneel right here and talk to the Lord. This is kind of what I say. I just came to tell you, Lord, how happy I've been since we found each other's friendship and you took away my sin. Now, I don't know how much or how to pray, but I think about you every day. So, Jesus, this is Jesus just checking in. This is Jim just checking in. One day it was noon and the minister noticed how Jim had, come, had not come. And a few days more without him there, he began to worry some. So he went to the factory and he asked about Jim and he learned he was very ill. And the hospital staff was concerned for him too, but he'd given them such a thrill. But the head nurse couldn't quite understand how Jim could be so glad when he'd never got flowers or cards or calls. Not one visitor had he had. So the minister spent some time by Jim's bed and he shared the nurse's concern that no one had come to show him they cared. He had no one to whom he could turn. Then old Jim looked up and said with a winsome smile, but the nurses are wrong, Pastor. I've had a visitor all the while. Every day right at noon comes a very dear friend, you see. And he sits right down and he takes my hand and he kneels over and he says to me, I just came again to tell you, Jim, how happy I've been. 
since we found each other's friendship and you took, I took away your sin. Now, I always love to hear you pray and I think about you every day. So, Jim, this is Jesus. Just check it in. You know, how do you know that Jesus loves you? Because he said so. He wrote a letter in crimson red. He wrote it with his own blood. He sealed it, signed it, and then he gave it to you. I love you, and I always will. I thought the brother was going to sing this song when he first started. That would have been awesome. I love your song. The song, I love a God. Could I with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole through stretched from sky to sky. O oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forever endure the saints and angels' song. The love of God. Not even the oceans. It said in the book of John, the last verse, I said they don't even have enough room to contain the things that Jesus did for us. If, there was, if he wrote it down, we wouldn't even have enough room on this earth to put it in just three years. And who did he do it for? He did it for you. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. If Jesus told you to go, what would you keep you going? What would keep you going? Jeremiah 31, 3, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. I have loved thee. And I still do. And I always will. Not as the world loves you, but I love you. I love you. Some of you haven't felt that love before because you've never, you don't know Christ. You don't know Jesus. You know, without knowing God, you don't know love. Some of you haven't experienced that love in a long time. It's left you. And the coldness of this world has stepped between you and God. I just want to let you know, if there's something between you and Jesus, that something's closer to Jesus than you are. And you should get it out of your way. There should not be. There was nothing between Jesus and you when he died on the cross for you. There should be nothing between, between you and Jesus and your relationship with him. He loves you. He loves you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this great privilege of knowing from the Scripture that you said that if we chose you, you would love us. That you loved us before the foundations of the world. Lord, you loved us as your enemies. How much more are you going to love us as your children? I pray this morning, Lord, you give saints courage to come and lay their hearts down at your feet this very moment, Lord. Some need to reestablish that love relationship with you. Some need to establish it for the first time. Some need you, Lord, today. They can't even walk without you holding their hand, Lord. So come, let them come today. Take hold of your hand and walk through this world with you, Lord. We thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all stand and God speak into your heart. As the music plays, the altars are open. Come. Come right now and talk to the Lord.
message was right on time. Amen? Talking about on Wednesday night at prayer meeting, how sometimes we just be reminded how much He loves us. When you're staring out into this world and seeing everything that's coming our way, just to be reminded He loves us. Brother Ray, that was right on time. Maybe some of us do need to come and just remind Him that we love Him. We know He loves us. When was the last time you told Him? I love you, Dad. I love you, Lord. Brother Ray brought out something I'd never considered before, that John wrote the book of John. And truthfully, when he said the disciple whom Jesus loved, and you read that in third person, you wonder, who's he talk who named him that? Well, John said, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. And if you dive into that chapter and see that Jesus had just finished washing the feet of those disciples, and he spoke a truth, and he said, one man in this room is going to betray me. One man in this room, they begin to question and stare across the table at one another, wondering who's it going to be. And as John's writing his gospel, he says, I want you to know where I was. When he said that, when he said, somebody in this room is going to betray me, I want you to know where I was. I was on his bosom because I knew he loved me. Thank you, Brother Ray. If you'll slip out to the lobby, we'd love to come thank you and your family for coming. If you and your family will slip out to the lobby, we'd love to thank you for coming. Let's close in prayer, church. All hearts and minds clear. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your man. Thank you so much for your message this morning. God, how we needed that, how we just simply need to let the thoughts of our mind and the craziness of this world come and be reminded that you love us. Regardless of where we've been, what we've done, who we are, the wretches that we are, you love us anyway. God, I pray that we live like it. God, I pray that you bring your church back into the fold tonight to hear the man of God, to hear the message of God once again. God, I pray that you give a safe passage on our travels today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See everybody back at 5 tonight.